I want to know everything there is to know about you. I am going to introduce me. You must have spotted her by now. She's always there. Don't I deserve love? Somebody has to like me best. Hello, and welcome to the Don't Know Her podcast. I'm Michael. And I am Scott. And we're here, as usual, to talk about an actor who we feel is underappreciated somewhat on the big screen. Mm. And we're also continuing our mini-series on TV actors who we think deserve a bigger film career. Yay! More. More films. More films. And this might be one of the most famous people we've ever spoken about. Yeah. Because of their TV work. Oh, yeah. So... Lisa Kudrow, more, most famously... Yes, family? <laughs> She's, She's keeping family. it in the family. <laughs> She's a friend. Ah, not family. <laughs> yeah, she's not family. Um, she was in one of the biggest sitcoms of all time and was getting like a million dollars per episode by the end of it. And everybody will have seen or know of... Phoebe Buffay and Friends. Yeah, 100%. So I've always thought like, oh, I wish I saw her more on this big screen. I love when she turns up. She's memorable, um, I think, when she's on the screen, even if it's like a tiny part in like Bad Neighbours as like the dean of a college or even Girl on the Train where she is... This this woman who I'm pretty certain is like has one scene to tell Emily Blunt, you're fucked essentially, but she does it so well, and then yeah, and so I've always it's always a joy to see her, and I think she's kind of a perfect example of someone who could have had a big film career, but because of various um, things, it just never happened for her. Mm. Yeah, for sure. She's she is a one of a kind, right? There's not any other Lisa Kudrow's, and albeit, I think she plays different shades of of Lisa Kudrow, but it's something that she distinctly brought to Phoebe and Friends that you do get in some of the films we're going to talk about for sure. But it is always a joy, like you say. It's just it's just refreshing. Breath of fresh air. That's sort of the vibes I think Lisa Kudrow always gives off. And that's what she was doing in Friends. I mean, I was always a fan. I watched Friends um, a million times over like many, many other people. But it was always her that I found the most exciting to watch. And, and always her that was the breath of fresh air in Friends. She was the, the odd one, but in the best way. Yeah, I would have watched Friends a lot. Like that would have been a big part of growing up with friends every week if not like I remember was E4 used to show them back to back all the time mm-hmm. um, and I think uh, Phoebe was my way into it because she was the only one that was happy with how she was necessarily and okay. was like celebrated for being different the others always just seemed a bit like I don't know I didn't connect with them because they were you know, just not as happy. I don't know, like, Phoebe's just so happy in herself and how she behaves, and I just don't think that's something the rest of the characters bring in the same way. There's a lot of fear. You know, the reason that I didn't want to go running with you is 
Because, um, well, you know, the way that you run is just a little... <laughs> so? Well, it's embarrassing. People were looking at us like we were crazy. Why do you care? Because they're people. <laughs> but people that you don't know and will never see again. But Phoebe was just, like, happy out. And when I rewatch clips now, she really is the person and character. I'd be like, okay, I see why I would have really enjoyed this show. Yeah, I think in 2022, as we record, and Friends has aged for many reasons, like many other things from that time would have, I think Phoebe as a character probably hasn't aged um, compared to how all of the others arcs and moments will have she she was just always like you say living for herself and when the other things came along it felt like um just a part of mm. her story rather than her story as it seemed for the other female characters in many ways she's kooky and she's crazy and she's not like the other girls but none of that is played up to be She's an ideal woman for a man to look at. She just was able to be herself. That she ends up with Paul Rudd in the end, who is a very dreamy man and everyone likes. Um, that is done in such a, like, kind of realistic way when you compare all the shit that we have to listen to with Ross and Rachel or Monica and Chandler. Phoebe's just like a norm, like normal-to-me sort of person and or someone I could relate to because whatever they were presenting as odd, I was like, that is a real-life person. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that a lot of it has aged, and it doesn't surprise me that a lot of the characters probably are not um, that relevant to today. And I think, like, going back to what you are saying about show, sharing or presenting shades of, of a certain style of performance, to me, she's a movie star without the movies in that, like, Whoopi Goldberg or any of any sort of famous can be yeah, Bette Midler, okay. Diane Keating to a point. I'm with you. I think Lisa Kudrow could fit that mold. It's just we never really got all of the movies of vehicles built around her that those actors did. Yeah, that's amazing. I was actually going to ask you who would you compare her to? Because I was struggling, and I think that's Diane Keaton's a great yeah. one. That's really well. I put her in all my favorite, like Whoopi Goldberg, Bette Midler, yeah. and Diane Keaton. But that, that is true, and that's how much I enjoy. And again, now we very much will see like Whoopi or Bette Midler not having vehicles made for them, but turning up in a movie. Mm -hmm. um, granted, this is coming out when Hocus Pocus Two is coming, but in general, Bette Midler will turn up for a scene or two and I'll be delighted that she's there yeah. because you know what you're getting with her and that's the same with Lisa Kudrow. Yeah, like a, a shtick, but in a good way, like mm. a welcome shtick. Like they've got, a, a, they've got a type yeah. and they play a type and they bring a similar energy in most things, but it's always what you want. Yeah, and obviously we're going to get into some of her movies but I think there are examples of they've been it's been utilized well. It's just somehow not not continued. And maybe she's delighted just doing her thing. But also, and we've talked about this with Gene Smart in our last episode and with other actors we talked about with big TV careers at a certain time of like TV actors and film actors during the 90s and early 90s was not such a big thing to, to move between. It wasn't as fluid as it is now to have... TV actors into film and film actors in TV. And 
Yeah, I mean, the other Friends cast have had very different levels of success. Obviously, Jennifer Aniston, I guess, is the biggest, but then she's the most traditionally like leading lady of the 90s, early noughties, mm-hmm. um, whereas Lisa Kudrow is not. I don't think there'd be... Um, I actually just rewatched um, Object of My Affection, or some of it anyway, and was thinking, would you have, would they have considered Lisa Kudrow? It's like, no, they want her to be this like pin-up, beautiful, like if you Google image, like hot woman, that's what they wanted to be. And I think, well, that's shitty. And I think we've moved on a bit from there, but not enough. Um, yeah. Well, then it's, it's interesting to take those two in particular and look at the Emmys, because they are the two that have won... Um, performance Emmys for their work in Friends but Jennifer Aniston won leading Emmys mm. and Lisa Kudrow won supporting and I'm pretty sure their screen time is the same yeah and that is uh, yeah we can and I'm sure we've talked about this uh, well maybe we haven't but in terms of award bodies and putting stories forward and being like you know Rachel was at the series she had a baby and that's a very sort of uh, that's an arc that people can get behind and get excited for it's Phoebe is the comedy sidekick even though she might have an arc that's not how as a society or as an industry in terms of storytelling on film and tv she'd be considered a leading story or a leading woman um which is frustrating um but uh, yeah jennifer anderson winning is i mean i would have to see who was nominated against her i think she's very good i mean i'm not i don't mean to be dissing any of their performances any of their work it's just that does that's just strange yeah no i think they're all amazing in friends yeah. all of them and i think jennifer aniston is as successful as she is because of the strength of her performance as rachel but that's interesting no i can see what you're talking about maybe lisa Kudrow would have only won or been nominated leading say she was nominated for the series where she got married or something mm. although i'm seeing that and maybe that is where she won her emmy for supporting so yeah well she won she was the first one to win the emmy for friends in 98 so was that three years into the show i so she wasn't for her wedding but she was yeah it was yeah in short it wouldn't matter i don't think because she's the kooky sidekick that's you know has to play second fiddle in the eyes of a mainstream um, superficial industry where someone like Jennifer Aniston and Rachel and Ross is kind of the central storyline throughout the whole show. Um, mm. it's, an, it's an interesting one, but yeah, and I think they're all, as you say, they're all giving very strong performances of the type of person they're being, and perhaps their film careers have suffered because they're either too similar or not similar enough for, like, Jen, like Monica, or Courtney Cox, oh my god, this is what I mean, like, people just refer to them, <laughs> but Courtney Cox is like, he's a very, like, he's doing Scream and is great in it, and that's a world away from Monica, but I think also people want to see more Monica, which then becomes a problem of, you know, seeing Jennifer Aniston be kind of like Rachel in many, many movies is great, lots of people love that, um, and then she can also be a bit kookier like Phoebe and like along came Polly mm-hmm. uh, or she could do whatever because she's like allow the audience to travel with her on her journey. Whereas I don't think any of the other actors will have a chance to do that. And I think there's various reasons why that is. But Jennifer Aniston is probably the one you would put good money on being the most successful and she did it. And I'd say Lisa Goodrow is probably a good second, but she to me should have been bigger yeah. Courtney Cox, I guess she doesn't have a screen. No, I would, I would assume you are correct that 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 is. Yeah, I think so. I think Lisa Kudrow comes second. Um, 
What is your relationship with friends now? Is it something that you would willingly go back to? Friends is a show that's easily picked apart <laughs> and for good reason um, in terms of sort of casual homophobia, racism, sexism, <laughs> all those. I think that sort of sitcom isn't something I'd be watching anyway nowadays. And yeah. I don't think they make it quite the same way. No. So I wouldn't... I don't know. I wouldn't hold it up. I, I'm trying to think of what shows I would hold up. Like, for instance, Sex and the City is a show I really enjoyed back in the day. I would hold that up in certain regards, but in the same way, I think there's other times when it's like, like Samantha, who's supposed to be the sex positive person, never, never having an STI test and freaking out about it is, is, a, is a very interesting thing to look at a lens from, or whatever, 20 years, do you know? Um, so yeah, I think everything ages and it's a, it's a shame to me that friends would be still something people wear on t-shirts and hats and all like it still has this like huge power and people watching it may not be aware that it's aged like that would be my only negative thing to say about it yeah I would say it is something that will fade after our generation I don't think kids are willingly watching it and loving it now but it is something that as I get further away from it, I'm always a bit like, I'm not sure anymore. But as soon as I sit down with it, it, it hooks me in. It's just that warmth and nostalgia. It's it's too hard to leave it. And even if I'm like, oh, God, this episode, or I don't like this episode, I watch it. And it's still like that hug. So, yeah, I, I agree that bits of it make me cringe a bit now. But it just, for the nostalgic value, it, it will, I guess, forever work for many of us. Well... For us uh, claiming that we want more for an actor than Friends, we spent a long time <laughs> talking about Friends. Yeah. Um, so let's move on from Friends. Um, and let me give a little rundown of Lisa Kudrow. Please do. So Lisa was born Lisa Valerie Kudrow um, in 1963 in LA, California. Um, her parents were um, a travel agent and a physician, and she had has three siblings. Her ancestors emigrated from Europe during uh, World War II, with her paternal great-grandmother being murdered during the Holocaust. Um, she's also left-handed. Oh, perfect. <laughs> this is, I, That's why I we're here. I literally wrote that um, after that, which doesn't seem appropriate, and, and was raised Jewish. And her education, um, uh, <laughs> her education started as a kid. Shocking. Newsflash. Um, she went to middle school and high school in LA before receiving a bachelor's degree in biology from Vassar College, intending to become a physician like her father. Oh. Um, she also, just to go back to the left-handedness, she pursued that career for eight years, and she got <laughs> a, a res- career in left-handedness. And she got a research credit to focus on the likelihood of left-handed left-handed individuals oh. developing cluster headaches. So she is a lefty hero. I, I should also add, I am left-handed, which is the reason I'm, I've mentioned it twice in the space of three Aww, minutes. And you're my hero. <laughs> well, I actually haven't done anything about looking after <laughs> other left-handers, um, like Lisa. But she didn't keep that going, and she started her acting career as a member of the improv um, sketch comedy school, The Groundlings, in L.A. She credits uh, Cynthia Sigetti. Um, for changing her perspective on acting and Cynthia was a teacher in The Groundlings and there she worked with Conan O'Brien and Tim Hillman Um, she went on to be in the short-lived improv troupe called Unexpected 
company and then was also the only woman to be a regular on the Transformers comedy troupe. And then TV came calling. She has a very small role in Cheers in 1989. And she also, around this time, has failed pilots like Just Temporary in 1989 too. Nearly gets into Saturday Night Live in 1990, but doesn't make it to the final cut. And is on the pilot of Frasier, but is replaced during the filming of it. So she was not in Frasier, but she was on set. (laughs) at around around this time uh, she's also appearing in films like The Unborn Dance with Death and In the Heat of Passion her first recurring role was as Ursula Buffet in the NBC sitcom Mad About You that was from 1993 so people may not know Ursula predates Phoebe Ursula being her Phoebe's evil but like darkly (laughs) sort of motivated sister who for me, anyway, I was delighted whenever Ursula turned oh, up. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, we go on to Phoebe Buffay and Friends in 1994. Huge, huge success. Like, I, there's not even really much point in me talking about how successful Friends was. It just became part of culture in a huge way. And even a show, say, like Frasier or... I'm trying to think of other sitcoms like Cheers or Happy Days, or all these sorts of things. None of those quite have the same impact that Friends does, I would say. And I don't think a show has ever since, because, and we never will, because we don't sit at one TV and we're not, you know, we have options. Even something like Game of Thrones or Succession or anything, that kind of Love Island, if you want to go to reality feed, none of that has the same impact. No, not close. I mean, you could name a lot of others which were pulling in the same money for the stars or things like that, but they did not have the the impact that Friends did. No, no, no. Yeah, so by the end, as I mentioned earlier, um, the cast were all getting $1 million per episode, and that made Kudrow, Jennifer Anderson, and Courtney Cox the highest-paid TV actors of all time, or female actors of all time. Um, And the show ran from 1994 to 2004. Um, During the run of Friends, Lisa also appeared in many films. Um, As you mentioned earlier, she does do, in many of them, a variation of Phoebe, and that seems to be what they wanted, particularly in things like Analyze This and Analyze That. Rami and Michelle's High School Reunion, you could argue, is a bit of a similar character. Um, But there were also films where... They were knowingly moving away from that sort of type, mm-hmm. like the opposite of sex or clock watchers to a point. Yeah. Friends ends in 2004 and she, the next big thing she really does is return to TV with the HBO show that she is the star of, co-creator, writer and exec producer of, The Comeback, which is all about a woman who's had success in the sitcom in the past and making her comeback. And... A delightful show. It does come back for another series in 2014, and she's nominated for the Emmy for Best Leading Actress in a Comedy for both of those. Um, highly recommend people will seek that out. Um, before going into her TV or her movie stuff, and um, want also to flag her co-created comedy web series Web Therapy, and which started in 2008, and. Uh, was reformatted for a 30-minute TV show and um, for Showtime, but then was cancelled in 2015. And this is such a delight where she does these like little sessions with different um, 
people usually quite famous actors talking about different types of therapy um so you have like lily tomlin and Meryl Streep and you've you've some really fun delightful moments um, and of course she's appeared in a range of other TV shows from Cougar Town, Bojack Horseman, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, The Good Place, Scandal um, and in film I guess she's also she's been in small but effective roles such as UZA Neighbours or Bad Neighbours, depending where you are in the world. I actually don't know if that's just a UK and Ireland thing that is called Neighbours. Uh, no, or Bad, bad Neighbours, sorry. Because yes. in America they don't have the Australian soap Neighbours. Um, Girl on the Train, Long Shot, shot Book Smart. Um, and then does have, like, I guess, arguably maybe meteor <laughs> roles in things like P.S. I Love You, The Other Woman with Natalie Portman, and Better Nate Than Ever. Um, she is also an executive producer... On TV, um, she does the US version of Who Do You Think You Are in a game show called 25 Words or Less. And looking ahead, she has a film coming out from Craig Johnson, who directed The Skeleton Twins, called The Parenting. And it's about a young gay couple um, and their weekend getaway with their respective parents in a country house rental. Things take a turn when the three couples discover the presence of a 400-year-old evil entity. (laughs) So, I mean, it is actually a HBO Max film. So, pray, everybody. (laughs) Let's join hands. (laughs) And hopefully that will see the light of day. Um, But yeah, that is Lisa in a nutshell. And what a beautiful nutshell it is. So, like, Friends clearly is where, you know... Her, she was propelled, very famous, was able to get other stuff off the ground. But I do think from the things she's choosing or has chosen, she is, A, having fun. Mm. I think most of her choices, even if they seem wild, um, are fun. And she just delivers. Yeah. Okay, let's start in 97. So there's two films that are worth talking about. Um, One, I think, has such a cult appeal, and maybe that cult is growing now, maybe it wouldn't be a cult film anymore, Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. And then the other one is a film, Clock Watchers, which I can't understand why it doesn't have a bigger cult following. Yeah. And maybe it's worth talking about Clock Watchers first. Let's do it. So it's directed by and written by Jill Spreacher. Um, and it's co-written, I should say, by Karen Spreacher. Um, but it's a story of four women who become friends in an office. And it's about just like their daily lives. Um, and then something happens, like things start going missing and it, it forms like a distrust between them. But it's not dramatic. Like that makes it sound like it's kind of a thriller or some sort of thing. It's just, it's just a really... Fun is, I'm trying to think what it reminded me of. So it's like Lisa Kudrow, Tony Collette, who actually is the lead, right? Would you argue she's the lead? Tony Collette is her story we're following. Yes, exactly. Um, Parker Posey and Alana Ubeck. And they, they're just meandering. Like they don't really a purpose. They're just kind of happy with their thing. Have you been temping for very long? No, um, just one other job at a bank. Oh, a bank. Mm-hmm. All right, any cute guys? 
Well, I spent most of my time in the basement. And I just, I love it. Like, because it reminded me of when I started a job early in my career and forming friendships and kind of also navigating, like, what is this? Because it's not like school. It's not like any other sort of uh, relationship I might have had before. And you're also in the, all in the same boat. And then certain things happen, like, in a personal way. And you're like, oh, well, actually, I don't want to hang out with you. Like, I have enough pressure in my life. I don't know. I just really loved it. And I've, and I, Lisa is really, I think they're all really good in it. I'm really yeah. entertaining. Yeah. Um, but I think Lisa is giving such a lovely performance. So will you be taking this bus to your rehearsals too? I, I guess so. You know, when they start, I mean, right? I'll tell you that Jack guy better call me soon. Left him two messages. I suppose he thinks I'm just, you know, going to sit around and wait. Well, Tell you, I got better things to do with my time. Right. Yeah? <laughs> Don't worry, you call. I'm not worried. I, I, re I really, really enjoyed this movie. And I kind of half was expecting, like, oh, yeah, it'll be grand. It'll be good. It's been on my list for ages to watch. But I really, really, really loved it. Okay, that's... Yeah, well, I, I feel very similarly. And the balance of funny and... The, the drama that comes with being in that sort of position is really well drawn mm -hmm. uh, like you said all the performances are amazing I think it would be hard to actually pick between them because they are all great um, but Tony Collette is very strong uh, Parker Posey is absolutely brilliant but yeah I think maybe it's because Lisa Kudrow is far less Lisa Kudrow here and it's interesting that this does come mid-friends because it does feel like a diversion mm. um, she's sort of doing Maybe more of what she was playing as Ursula uh, in, in ways rather than Phoebe. It's a little more vacant, but very... She feels like the leader in this film. She's yeah. the one leading in ways like encouraging friendship. She feels like the one that's maybe originally bound them together. And I liked getting to see her yeah. do that. She's also like informing how they behave at work. Because how we yeah. meet her is she's putting paper clips in the printer. And then she's playing like... Um, purposely dumb of like oh I don't know how that broke or printer's not working and all this stuff. and it's just she's it's like unapologetically bored and yeah as you say just wants to enjoy life and encourage others to enjoy life the way she is um, there's something really fun about it and it's kind of semi like Charlie Kaufman like odd what's happening and then you're but but also it's like no this is relatable <laughs> like I know people like her it's not so off the wall that it's absurd, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty, yeah, I, I really loved it. Um, and then I loved it even more thinking this came out the same year as Rami and Michelle's High School Reunion, yeah. where she is the proper lead, her and Mira Savino, who are these uh, people who were friends in high school, were... They were bullied, but not in a... They were kind of more left to their own devices because they liked their own things. They they, they moved to the beat of their own drum, which mm -hmm. is a saying, absolutely. Say. And they, again, were unapologetic, particularly Lisa Kudrow's character, um, whereas Mia Savino, you can see a little bit more of like, oh, I really wish the boy liked me. I wish I conform. I like a little bit more of that, even though, to give them both credit, they both are very proud of what they stand for particularly by the end of the film but it's about a high school reunion they don't have much going on they're like watching pretty woman aren't they at the start um and they're having a great old time 
they get this invite and they're like, oh, but gradually they realize they have to start lying because they haven't achieved anything. You know, Michelle? Yeah? Now that I'm looking at this, uh-huh. our lives don't seem as impressive as I thought. They don't? Well, do you think it's impressive that we're still single and we've been living together for 10 years and I'm a cashier and you're unemployed? Well, not super impressive. Well, then what's the point of going if we're not going to impress people? Well... So, like, Mira Savino claims she invented the post-it. <laughs> they dress in these, like, business suits. Do you have some sort of businesswoman special? Come again? Well, we're businesswomen. Yeah, from L.A. And, you know, some places have, like, a lunch special? For businesswomen. And they're just so... Like relentlessly charming, and it's just about how being themselves, their life is purer and happier than what their contemporaries who have fulfilled all the heteronormative things have got, and it's wonderful. And you also have Alan Cumming in a really fun supporting part as a nerdy guy who did good, and Janine Garofalo as. Another kind of outsider who is just so much fun. And you then there's like flashbacks to them in school, then you see them there, and then you flash forward. And I love this movie. And seeing Rami and Michelle dance to time after time will never not bring a smile to my face. Even when I hear the song, that's what I associate it with. I would have seen it when I was very young, I guess, but I, I was just like, Yes, I want to be Rami and Michelle. And how many movies do we get where we're not celebrating the beautiful or traditionally beautiful people in a high school or secondary school setting? Mm. So I love it. Yeah. You may not like the expression when you describe them as moving to the beat of their own drum. But I think beyond that, this film very uniquely does that in that this is a cult film in the most, I guess, classic sense of it being very, very kind of divergent from anything else around it. It's very, very different. And it's just doing whatever the fuck it wants and doing it very, very well. Um, Firstly, it just opening with, um, no doubt's fabulous track, I'm Just a Girl, and then nearly closing with, like, Belinda Carlisle's Heaven is a Place on Earth. (laughs) This is already makings of a winner. Um, It's so funny, Lisa Kudrow and Mira Sorvino get it entirely. Like, absolutely on board they get the brief and they make it just sing this film is unlike anything else because the premise is so incredibly slight you know they just want to go back to the reunion and prove themselves and that is it but what happens in the interim like you say with the dancing to time after time and the adventure of what it takes for them to get there it's iconic and it will stand out so so head and shoulders above many things to those who love it Mm. it's a wonderful thing yeah so what if you took friends away that 97 to me is a dream wow yeah and then she follows it up with the opposite of sex which i think from the films i've seen her do is the most it's the biggest stretch she's made from phoebe Mm -hmm. from what people know and the opposite of sex is another movie where I'm like, why are more people not talking about it? And it's not that I like love it for everything. I just think it's a very interesting film. 
and it's one of the more interesting films around that time that were trying to be so self-aware about the structure of a movie that they'd have characters talking about it having Christina Rishi in a very you know non-child like performance um, and delivering a, a really striking um doing really striking work like Agreed, that. Yeah. Um, but the film is like following Christina Rishi who at the start <laughs> is telling us how how the worst thing you could possibly have is a mother that pays you attention <laughs> and um, as they're burying her stepfather she decides i'm going to go and meet my brother my half brother and who is gay she uses a lot of language which we i would never use to describe gay people and the way she refers to them but the film is aware it's made by sure. an openly uh, gay person directed and written i believe and i um i don't know there was something something so like um what's the word like i was i was hooked in i was like i'm on board because the tone of this is she's an unreliable narrator and it's going to be an interesting journey so she arrives his partner the half brother's partner has died of aids um and he is living with a new man who christina richie's like i'm gonna have him and then there's also the half-brother's ex-partner's sister, played by Lisa Kudrow, who is very, uh, must be like, highly strung. She's a highly strung woman. She doesn't think Christina Rishi being there is a good thing. She makes that very clear in their first interaction. Matt, told me about your brother and Bill. I'm sorry he's dead. Did he give it to Bill? That is none of your business. Well, actually it is. I mean, I could drink out of the same cup or something accidentally if I stay for a while. What do they teach you in Louisiana? It's roughly, you reap what you sow, if you're gay. Well, you don't get it from cups. Anyway, they're both negative. Do you know what negative means? It's interesting because when starting, I was like, okay, the story, like whose story, we're obviously following Christina Ritchie's story, but what would be the point or the presence of Lisa Kudrow? But she is following her own heart. She's like the B plot to the story. So we have her talk, like dealing, grieving with the loss of her brother, trying to support um, her, his partner um, and their new partner trying to do what's best but also not really having a sense of purpose like she had with her brother she's like overbearing but she's also like loving and it's just a very well balanced performance and there's a point where she's asked about well what do you want and she reflects i don't get sex you should get out more i mean i don't understand sex i don't get it get it just it seems like a a lot of trouble for not much. And I think that scene is the best acting Lisa Kudrow has done on the big screen, where she's being questioned about why she's behaving a certain way, why she's doing this. Does she think that her brother was killed by his partner? Tom didn't die because of sex. Didn't he? I mean, PC crap aside, didn't sex kill Tom? Huh? I mean, if, if, if he just couldn't get enough shampoos or back rubs, wouldn't he still be here today? You might as well say I killed him. 
You didn't give it to him. And then it does get schmaltzy with Lisa Kudrow towards the end, but it doesn't really matter because by that point it's like, yeah, she's great. It's wonderful. I it was really great. And it really doesn't surprise me that like this is, she hasn't won many TV awards. Oh, sorry, she hasn't, she's won many TV awards. She's not won many film awards, but she did win the Best Supporting Actress Award at the New York Film Critics Circle. Oh, she did. Okay. And she was nominated in yeah, lots of places. And um, it's actually a performance that I'd have to look at the five people that were nominated for Best Supporting Actress that year. But it, it would have made sense to me that that had been Oscar nominated if it was a film that voters would have watched. It, it's because of because of the tone of it. I think it would have got been really like, oh, God, like they've, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of things in it that would have been at the time like scandalous. It's nowhere to say if we think American Beauty is scandalous. I think this is like a few notches up. Yeah. Oh, and it's it's really going for it from the get go. I found it like you said. It's very involving in its nineties approach to themes that I just don't think this would come about now. But not in a sort of the tide has turned. Just the the appetite for stuff like this has shifted, or the approach has shifted. Um, but the the kind of the moral tale that kind of. Christina Ritchie's character plays out it's very interesting and therefore Lisa Kudrow is the counterpoint to that gives it a really good balance yeah it's it does feel quite unique to certainly watch now a film like that so let's let's skip ahead um so Friends happened and she, you know she seems quite delighted to be doing bit parts and she hasn't had as, as kind of what I was referring to earlier people making vehicles for her in film but one of my favourite performances of her um, is P.S. I Love You yeah Ireland's <laughs> favourite film well I saw it in Ireland well this is shocking if I grew up in Ireland <laughs> I saw it in Ireland in the cinema um, it it is a sort of because a lot of it doesn't happen in Ireland. Although you have Jared Butler playing Irish in a very, like one of the worst accents. It's not like it, why they didn't make it. Um, why didn't they just cast someone else? I like it really doesn't. It confuses me. Yes, I love you for the cast <laughs> choice of him, but I just really enjoy. I just really enjoy Lisa and Dina Gershon together like the cast is amazing you also have like you also have Kathy Bates that's where it ends but Lisa's really fun and it's like oh, I remember watching it thinking maybe she'll get more parts like this so she so the film is about Hilary Sprague's character who is in love with a fake Irishman he's already <laughs> lying to her and he dies for the better? I don't know. I would say so. Until he starts leaving notes and traumatizing her. Yeah. No, sorry. He leaves romantic notes. I think that we're supposed to think this is all romantic because um, apparently it's really sad to sit in and watch Bet- Betty Davis movies. Um, yeah, I know. Which is why I was like, this is exactly my life. I feel really shamed. Um, and it's about through these letters and the support of her friends um, and support of um, Kathy Bates or whatever, she is finding her feet, which also includes going back to Ireland to meet your, your Butler's parents. And 
take a little boat out and um, lose their oars and be stuck in the middle of, to be rescued by a handsome man who's doing, I swear he's not Irish, but he's doing a little bit better of an accent. Yeah, so Lisa's playing a very sort of, she wants a husband. It's really fun watching her. Like when we're introduced to her, she's like questioning a man in the corner at the wake, isn't it? Like she's trying to find a husband. Oh yeah, she's on the prowl, yeah. Hi. Hi. I like your chain. Thanks. Denise. George. Are you single? Yes. Are you gay? No. Are you working? No. And she's just really fun. I just love all, like there's lots of lovely moments with her. And I think Hilary Swank, like the proper, not problem, but the reason she's not a leading lady, despite having two Oscars, is like, you need a lot of charisma to like deliver a film like this. And I would argue Hilary Swank doesn't have that charisma to really lead those films. But the people behind it understood that, which is why you have ultra personality with Lisa, with Gina, with Kathy, to help support Hillary. And I don't mean that in a, I don't, I don't mean to sound like I'm patronizing. I just, I think that's a really well cast film. Even with Hilary Swank, I think it's really yeah, well cast. I agree. I think it's great casting of Hilary Swank for exactly what you've just said. I think that elevates the film. It allows you to have a huge amount of empathy for her. You really feel for her. And I think that's what mm. Hilary Swank specifically is bringing. Yeah. Had it been more of a leading, leading lady, I think it would have felt more false. But mm. I, I feel the sadness of, of Hilary Swank's character. This is a film that... I would make fun of forever just because uh, fellow Scotsman Gerard Butler makes my toes curl in the worst (laughs) in the worst way I cannot stand him in this in particular I don't like him in many things but I'm sure he's a lovely fellow and there must be things where it does work, but I've just not seen them. Well, Phantom of the Opera, you were just talking about how much you love Phantom. Let's not. Um, But in this, he's especially annoying. Oh my god! I to the point of this is the film that 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 made people all over the world go wild for him, and I truly do not understand because he's just insufferable. What? This is the movie. I thought it was like three hundred or something. I, oh, that's wild. I think oh this is the Lord. one that got people's like hearts fluttering then some because I don't think I think 300 was more for yeah. this was doing the oh my oh god, god well I'll tell you in Ireland there, we, there was laughter and laughter and laughter at some Good. of the things because his voiceover comes very often that's how we see hear about the letters yeah um, yeah that but, is interesting but that being said him aside I can fully understand why people love this film so much and I do enjoy watching it I do enjoy the journey they go on I enjoy going with them like you say uh, when they travel to Ireland and uh, all of these other interim bits and one of my favourite lines in it certainly is Lisa Kudrow um, where Hilary Swank comes to her wanting to make her Wanting to what? Shoes for her oh, wedding. Oh, God. Oh, the poor and Lisa Kudrow says... Can I ask you a favour? I want to make your wedding shoes. My shoes? Would you turn into Geppetto? Which doesn't even make sense, because <gasps> Geppetto does not make shoes. <laughs> um, but I get it. I'm, oh, my God, it's just... The it's shoes are so, so ugly. So we should say... So <laughs> Hilary Swank has taken all of her grief... <laughs> 
<laughs> and have decided to make the ugliest fucking shoes oh you've God. ever seen. I mean, fine in a museum if like it looks like <laughs> <laughs> they look like something Amadeus, oh uh, like Mozart would have worn. <laughs> yeah, they're unbelievable. And, and what she says, so she's she's been a shitty friend. Like Lisa Cotero, who's getting married, and she has not seen Hilary Swank <laughs> for months. Right? She's ignored yeah. her calls, and then she says. She turns up when she's getting her fitting for a wedding dress and she says, please let me do this one thing for you. And then shows her a picture and you're like, don't let her do it. It's like, can this friendship get any worse? Like, <laughs> let me make your shoes. I'm like, hey, you walk out like, on me for months and you they, turn up with this shit. Exactly. And they're like blue and pink and like, if I swear in a fucking white dress, what are you? Unbelievable. Like, you can tell there, were, there was no gay people involved, I'd say, no. in making this film. Or Irish. Uh, yeah, <laughs> neither. Um, I also love the bit with Lisa Kudrow. There's a bit in the bar where there's like interaction with a man and he's being shitty with her and she talks back at him. Sorry, John. I forgot you're sensitive about your flat ass. <gasps> You know, Denise, that's why you're not married. <clears throat> Women act like men, then they complain men don't want them. Oh, is that why? Oh, okay, because I thought it was something different. I thought it was because I thought that I deserved the best. And he's out there. He's just with all the wrong women. And let me be clear, after centuries of men looking at my tits instead of my eyes and pinching my ass instead of shaking my hand, I now have the divine right to stare at a man's backside with vulgar, cheap appreciation, if I want to. Well said. I thought so. And I was like, yeah, I, like, I love this film. Um, but this is a film where, like you're saying, I think it's knowingly not great. It pushes all the buttons. Like, I cry when she talks to the parents of um, Jared Butler. And they're like, we know he loved you and how happy he was. And even now I'm like, and this film is <laughs> as cheap as any. Like, this is not, this is a not, it's not earning any of this emotion. No. And yet it was also written by our Taoiseach, our prime minister's daughter, um, oh. who's married, I believe. See, I don't know gossip, but she was married to a member of Westlife. So Great. like this, this book was huge in Ireland before it was a movie. So there was huge excitement um, and laughter then is <laughs> reception. So I uh, know people didn't laugh. People, I think people just genuinely did like it. Like mm, I think the no, parents. Sure. That's a very like. There's lots of lovely bits. Ireland isn't isn't as bad as it is in some other movies. It's pretty. Um, it's pretty good. Anyway, I, so overall, I think I loved it, it makes Ireland appealing, even in it its strange. Yeah, 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 but it makes it especially so yeah. the the romanticism of it. This this film. It judges what it's doing very well, and it balances the lightness and sweetness with the sadness, but never too much. I fully, fully understand its popularity. And to end, there's a film where I unapologetically love this film. And I think, it again, I guess the criticisms I was aiming at, um, because I love you, could be applied and should be, but Better Night Than Ever is a film just out this year uh, from Disney. Is a film that like fills me with so much joy and happiness that I would, if anyone would say like you have to rewatch something on repeat right now, Better Night Than Ever is the one I'd be like, yes, that's the film mm-hmm. I would have. I think it's just this wonderful like celebration of um, theater and family and relationships and. 
being yourself. And I think that's the thing that's come across a lot in Lisa Kudrow films um, about you have to be true to yourself to find true happiness. But this is a wonderful film that is, a, unlike the others as well, really easy to find if you have Disney+. Plus. Um, and it follows a kid called Nate and his dream to be a Broadway star. So him and his friend sneak off to Broadway, try to get into an audition, bump into their uh, his aunt, played by Lisa Kudrow, who's also an actor, um, who um, has been estranged from the fam estranged from the family, and she has a great line of like when she's being introduced, um, of being asked like, "What is she doing?" She goes, "Yeah, did you see all those ladies trying to still pass for the mid thirties? Yeah, we're all up for the same play. It's called um, A Solitary Woman. Perfect for it." <laughs> it's a really lovely introduction, but also sets up her character really well. So she's this down on her luck, struggling actor who does seem kind of lonely. Like her plot in the mm -hmm. film, which again echoes the main plot, is wanting to find her, fulfill her dream, but also be have her family be part of that dream too. And the, the moments between herself and the actor playing um, Nate, whose name I should say is Ruby Wood. Like, I just love, I love their interactions. And again, find it um, emotional having them talk about, like just their passion. So like um, Nate talks about like his family not understanding him and being the black sheep and finding Lisa like heroic because she's like following her dreams. Mm -hmm. And like as a kid who would have very much been very different to the rest of my family, like that speaks to me in such a big way. And anyone that I thought was living some sort of exciting life, pursuing anything to do with the arts, I would have, um, I would have held them up as like heroes. Yeah, there's so many, there's so many lovely bits. And even like, and I think it's a film which will reward people that particularly like musical theater or the arts yeah. and Broadway, because for instance, like, He's saying there's no other boys in my class that know all the words to Pippin. And then Lisa Kudrow's character speaks back Pippin lyrics to him. Well, everything has its season. Everything has its time. So I love it. I love it. It's, um, you've uh, summed it up very beautifully. I think it is just a great time. And a film that is far too far too in short supply in far too short supply now it feels like something you would have had in say the 90s um but maybe still not even then like the character of the aunt in particular played by lisa kudrow yeah. it feels like something that would have had it been our generation gay boys would have been yeah. flocking oh to his character and and uh, talking about this character all the time um, and she is just luminous and wonderful when she turns up. She's kind of got this flustered energy to her, which again is familiar to perhaps other things we've seen, but so incredibly welcome. And in this, it is just so sweet and tender and wonderful. And yeah, it was just a really joyous film to watch and an easy recommend, like you say. And before we move on, is there any, like, this? This is a question I'm going to find hard to answer, but is there any films that you love or performances or moments of her in her screen career, big screen career, that you wanted to highlight before we do the quiz? Um, no, I don't think there is anything else that springs to mind uh, immediately, to be honest. Well, I just want to give a, a shout out to Easy A. Okay, I've never seen that girl before in my life. That 
Does not surprise me. I know, but I'm the guidance counselor. I should know all the students, especially the ones who dress like prostitutes. Oh, Where yeah. Where she's like this counselor teacher who's mm -hmm. like... The advice she gives Emma Stone, who's exploring, um, I guess, her identity in school and being this sort of... Um, why even would you call like a reckless woman like because she's like sexual and she's like getting she's not actually having sex but she's getting paid to uh, to let the boys in the school say that they've had sex with her and it starts off in a kind sort of gesture and it just escalates and Lisa Kudrow's inability to help while also um having an affair with the student herself is all very interesting and exciting and fun to watch and very much like an example of the type of work she does more generally, I think, nowadays when she's in like one or two parts. Yeah, um, I second that choice. So, what quiz do you have for me? Ooh, lucky you, I have a little music quiz for you. Kia As Jared would know, that means okay, God, I was music and laughter. Oh, music and laughter indeed. All of the above. And I also want as a prize, um, and this is if Lisa wants to do it, but I'd love to see her on stage and I'd love to see oh. her in the West End. As we're currently having like Helen Hunt and Amy Adams and all these people, why can't we not have Lisa Kudrow? Yeah, I think um, a very achievable wish and I'm, I'm sure it's on her uh, to-do list. And she could actually do the play she gets cast in in Better Nate Than Ever, Solitary oh, Woman. perfect. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's a perfect wish. Although it looks absolutely crap, but... <laughs> <laughs> She'd be good. I, I, yeah, there's loads of parts she could do. So anyway, sorry, but I'm ready for the music. You're ready for the music. Okay, so as we earlier discussed, Lisa Kudrow was a um, an Emmy Award winner for Best Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series. So what I'm going to play for you are some clips, um, which are the theme tunes to TV shows which featured a Best Supporting Actress in a Comedy oh winner um, at the Emmys. So I want you to firstly name the show, and then if you can, name the uh, winning performer. There's literally, this is, uh, this is a gap in my knowledge, but I, I will full throttle throw, try my best. I think you may surprise yourself, but uh, let's see. Here comes the first. I, on I honestly don't know what that is. You don't know what that well, is? Well, like, the only show that's coming to mind, I had a different theme tune. So go, but go for it, see it. Well, it's Pushing Daisies, but that's a different show altogether. Very interesting. Um, uh, I've no idea what this is. Okay, so I'll tell you what it is, and maybe you can get the performer. So that is Glee. Oh, God, help me. Is Lee Michelle going to stab me in my, in my sleep? I might, is it over for me? <laughs> this is the end. <laughs> Glee. She's you know actually what taking over this podcast. <laughs> Who's fucks Beanie? No. She... <laughs> uh, why would she talk like that? Um... Who is Beanie? <laughs> I... Well, I know... Um, Jane Lynch. Jane Lynch. Sorry, yes. I don't know what I was going to say. 
Um, it was Jane Lynch, obviously. Surely no one else won an Emmy for that. Oh my God, I couldn't believe no. she even won, she won an Emmy for she it. She was the only one. Um, Jane Lynch winning in 2010 for playing Sue Sylvester in Glee. Sue Sylvester, where she dresses as Nicki Minaj and many other things. <laughs> I only saw that clip today, that's why I'm bringing it up. So to reassure people, I have some cultural knowledge. <laughs> that's it, exactly. That is the um, touch point that we should all go to. Um, here comes the second one. Keep a dead thing alive for more than a minute. Something else has to die. Well, that is what my heart knew was coming, was Pushing Daisies. Um, and Kristen Chenoweth um, was giving one of my favorite speeches where she's like she's like you've just cancelled us <laughs> like she's hyperventilating it's wonderful um oh yeah i, I mean we can move on but i pushing days is, is is the type of show I, there's not many tv shows where i'm like god that seems like a real rotten evil thing to do to take that off the yeah. air <laughs> absolutely rotten and evil and i I can't explain again again of how much joy that show has given me. I've watched those two seasons often. Lee Pace, Anna Friel, Ellen Green, Kristen. Kristen, Kristen Chenoweth. I just love it. I just love it so much. Anyway. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, gone far too soon, but... Well, uh, they're all around. Lee could still do yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, and, and it's a sentiment shared by many that, that that it was pulled far too early. It is fabulous. I agree. I think it's a great show. Um, and Kristen Chenoweth, yeah, winning the supporting <laughs> actress award in 2009, playing Olive Snook. Olive. Oh, I love it. All right. Here comes another. I think it might be The Sopranos. <laughs> That's it, you got it. Is it ER? <laughs> that is um, Will and Grace, but also should just be called Karen, and that would of course have been Megan Mullally in Will and Grace. Um, I, I mean, am I supposed to comment? I feel like I'm supposed to comment on each of them. Will and Grace is a show I would have liked a lot as a kid. Really wonderful to see representation that way, but like we were talking about with Friends, it's probably not aging that well yeah Ooh. I can't speak to it but um, yeah Megan Mullally doing wonderful things as Karen but thank god it didn't because then we got Deborah Messing and her scarves in Smash <laughs> scarves 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 in Smash scarves glitter. Uh so truly uh, needed for that reason alone wonderful alright here comes another <laughs> So I actually had that as a ringtone. So if we want to talk about like people in secondary school oh who were beating, or sound beating, were, were running to the sound of their own beat. I don't even, what was I saying earlier? Oh my God, I've running run to the sound of your own beat. That's, that's I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, I thought it sounded like I was rapping. Um, beating to my own drum. Yeah, following my own beat, whatever. Is um, having Sex and City as a ringtone in when you're like 17. Yeah. And pretending, oh, Oh, me and the girls we caught up last Thursday can't believe Samantha's having problems in bed or whatever fuck was going on <laughs> um, but loving it that of course is Sex and the City 
and the winners there are Kim Cattrall as Samantha Jones and Cynthia Nixon as Miranda Hobbs and um, <laughs> I don't imagine Cynthia Nixon ever winning an Emmy again for playing Miranda Hobbs after what she did in the last season of And Just Like That which I'm all for but is wildly different to what she was doing in the original Sex and the City show Yes um, I'm just going to I didn't actually know that Kim Cattrall won as well. Uh, where's your gay card? <laughs> Fact check. Ah, so nominated Kim Cattrall, but you were right that the, the answer was um, Cynthia Nixon uh, for her performance as Miranda Hobbs, wherein she won in 2004. Maybe if they give Kim, Kim the award, um, she'd be back. And not as a distant phone call <laughs> in London. Because oh. you know in London you you can't communicate with anyone or fly or do anything. Exactly. Um, love it. Love her story. Love her being. Um, amazing. All right. Well done. Here comes another. That to me could be absolutely anything. I'm trying to think of any comedy shows. Like I never watched. Uh, I don't even know what it's called. Up with the Raymonds or something. <laughs> Arrested Development didn't win Best Supporting Actress. I'm assuming. No. And I wouldn't probably know the music to that. Everyone's talking. Everyone loves Raymond. That's what I'm thinking uh, of. Not everyone's talking about Raymond. Um, a good. But guess, I don't know any of these. Yeah. But not everybody loves Raymond. More recent than Raymond. I'm just and ran for a very long time. Frasier? No, more recent still. More. Was Grey's Anatomy a comedy? <laughs> no, I'm joking. I know to it was. To some. Yes, I thought it was. No, I didn't. I don't know it. Um, a, a long running comedy show. I don't know. I actually don't know. So that's the theme to Modern Family. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Do you know who the winner of Best Supporting Actress would have been? I honestly, like that to me, is that, I wouldn't even know who's in that. Is that okay. Ashton Kutcher? No. <laughs> What's the one where Ashton Kutcher's in it and Charlie Sheen's son was in it? Two and a half men. No, it is not that. The The answer here is, uh, or is Julie Bowen, who won twice in 2011 and 2012 for her role as Claire Dunphy. So it's okay, you're forgiven. But here is the final entry. Oh, this is this is something I've watched, but like not kept with. Um, Very recent. Now we're talking. Oh, that wasn't. Long. But it's not, it's not the girl, uh, the girl, oh my god, that's not a show. <laughs> uh, that's so annoying because, oh, it's not Abbott Elementary and we're assuming that your one's going to win. I would, uh, by the way, I mean, this, is this coming out before the Emmys? I would be delighted for Abbott Elementary to win most of the awards. Anyway, that's, um... The, then the, the most recent that has actually, at this point of recording, won. Oh, so if you think about the most popular comedy of last year at the Emmys. Oh, it's her. Um, yes, it is. This is the football show. It is. And it is Hannah Waddington. 
Hannah Waddingham. Waddingham. <laughs> we'll but be Paddington, doing an episode on her. Paddington and I know I really she's a good amazing voice. She is such a great stage actor, and uh, on TV she's very good in um, Ted Lasso. Uh, yeah, Ted Lasso. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Ted Lasso, Hannah Waddingham, twenty twenty one winner for playing Rebecca Walton. Yeah. Um, good for her. Good for well, her. Well, it's opening doors for her, and she's clearly devouring the opportunity, and that's wonderful. Yeah, and devour away. Uh, She's going to be in Wicked, isn't she? Oh, I hope so. Newsflash, I don't know if it's true. I thought like, somebody said it or, I mean, online, like not somebody It would make my complete ear. sense. Nobody. She's playing the old lady. <laughs> the old lady that's like, come with me, um, Glinda. Or Glinda. <laughs> I don't know. I don't sure know. You're not I've seen that? it a long time ago, and I saw someone from Carnation Street do it perfectly. Oh, Bev, so I don't know who, I don't know what Ted Lasso is, but I can tell you, Bev, who used to be, is the mother of somebody who was the bar lady in the Rover's Return I saw in Wicked. Does this ring a bell, who Bev is? Linda McDonald. Okay, no, unless they're their real name, or real names, their carnage shirt names, I wouldn't. But that is her carnage name. Who's Bev? Bev was, was a woman. She had an affair with a young man, too. She was great. God, I'm so sad it's not ringing bells. Sorry, Bev. Anyway, Bev, moving on from Bev, she might be on the next scene on stage with Lisa Kudrow because my prize, I believe, I've won. Oh, definitely. Even though there was a few misses there, we're going to give you the prize anyway. It doesn't matter. I'll contact Lisa tomorrow and hopefully she'll be ready for a close-up. Mine. And as we always do, what is your one hope for Lisa and her future film career? Um... So I do think that she's someone who excels, and I really don't mean this as a slight, I mean this in a good way, someone who excels in ensembles. Um, so naturally my mind went towards Bridesmaids and I thought of like a Paul Feig, um, Kristen Wiig, Annie Mamalo re-teaming. And the idea that came into my head is about like, a, and so they have to star in it. We get the usual suspects in, but Lisa Kudrow too. They're playing a group of teachers who are feeling very downtrodden with the way the profession is going. And they're having a lot of trouble with the PTA. Mother's trying to rule the school. Uh, and they choose to get together and rebel against these mothers. So um, fun antics to ensue. I imagine she plays a sophisticated but slightly offbeat, say, modern languages teacher. Um, and I can just imagine that being a wonderful thing. I can imagine her being a hoot and getting the brief and doing it and playing in a film written by those very talented ladies very, very well. So that's my call. I think that sounds amazing. Um, I, yeah, I'm also like in my head laughing at what I know will be very funny humour um, with all those. Mine is a, is kind of following our theme and taking somebody who's excelled in TV and wanting to see them do something on film. And it's Mike White, who most recently did The White Lotus. And also The White Lotus has a, a range of actors giving really interesting performance in this sort of melodrama, dark comedy, like soap opera. Like it's just this, a really amazing concoction of campness in a way, but with a real nuance. And I think Lisa Kudrow would fit so well into that world. And I was trying to think, what would that be? And I was thinking it could she could be in some sort of high-powered job and things are like kind of falling apart 
but it is a comedy too and she has like a a, you know friends and family or or even it could be a bit like um, an adaptation of Blue Jasmine or Streetcar Named Desire of of somebody um, having to deal with kind of a breakdown of their life and what they thought was their reality um, I just think she would be amazing um, in that sort of part. And I also just think it would be really interesting to watch Mike White do a film. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of the films he's written before. Beatrice at Dinner, School of Rock, of course. So more Mike White on, on film, please. Yeah, and I just think he... I don't know. There's something about White Lotus that makes me think he's really come into his own in terms of directing and a style to it because I agree those films you just mentioned the scripts are amazing I just I don't know like they if he's at this scale and he was directing his own scripts I just think maybe these will all just like propel Mm. himself and great storytelling further fabulous a great shout so yeah um where do you think where do you think (laughs) where do you yeah where do you think people could find us (laughs) What do I think? I think they could find us on social media. And if they were, they could maybe go to Instagram and Twitter and get us at don'tknowher underscore pod. Or if you fancied emailing, you could do that too at don'tknowherpod at gmail.com. Yeah, thank you everybody for listening. And if you would like to, please do share on to one or two people that you think would enjoy an hour or so hanging out with us, listening about great performers and just celebrating, mostly celebrating their work. Um, yeah, please join us again. Please do. Please share. Please come back. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye-bye. Bye.